God is the same today no matter what the circumstances may be. Because circumstances always change. If we hang on to God, we can have joy. You need joy this morning? Yeah? You got the joy, 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 but I don't feel like singing it. I don't feel like dancing it. Sometimes you just got to let go of all that stuff and let the joy take over. Yes. What does it matter if all of these things down the road prove out to be non-essential or non-important in the big picture? Because they will. What concerns us today will not be important down the road. You will have learned to got, have gotten through that because happiness is a choice. Is it not? Happiness is a choice. The decision is yours this morning. Am I going to have joy or am I not going to have joy? Now, reading this week about people and the whole issue of worry, because most people spend an hour and a half out of their day worrying about things that are not going to happen anyway. They're just not going to happen. You just spent all that time worrying. Happiness actually comes from the word happenstance, from which we get the word circumstance. And if you circumstance something, if you surround it and believe that God can change that situation, it can actually happen. Well, most of us have chosen most of our lives not to live in joy, but to live in circumstantial moodiness. You know, maybe this is good and maybe this is bad. So the question that comes this morning is how do you have happiness in spite of what's going on in your life? How can I have happiness in my life? You've got to look at the bigger picture when you get to the book of Philippians because I want to spend this next few weeks just talking about getting joy back in my life. Get the joy back in my life. And how am I going to do that? Well, you follow the example of the Apostle Paul, who when he wrote the book of Philippians, which may be boring to most of you, hopefully not, but when he wrote it, he was actually in prison, writing these things to us. Not even understanding that thousands of years down the road, someone would walk in the door today and they're about ready to throw in the towel and just give up because nothing has changed. Your circumstances don't seem to be changing. He was in prison for two years in Caesarea on a fake charge. Now, how would you like to go to prison on a fake charge for a couple years of your life and you're sitting in there wondering to yourself, what did I ever do to deserve this? God, this seems totally unfair. And then secondly, after those two years, he's put on a, sh he's always wanted to go to Rome, but maybe on a cruise, you know, maybe on a vacation, but certainly not in a ship that is broken down and may not make it there. Because on the way to Rome, number three, he was actually the ship shipwrecked. And you've got to think to yourself, he was stranded on this island and it's a good thing that he had a volleyball because he would have been all alone, right? Isn't it amazing what happens when you feel desperation and all aloneness and stranded? And so he's stranded on this island. And don't tell me he, don't tell me he was any different than I am. He's on the island and he's thinking to himself, God, what did I do? I'm really, I, I'm, God, I'm coming before you and I'm just asking you, what did I do to deserve this? And a lot of people in the room this morning think to themselves, what did I do to deserve what I'm getting or not getting? 
And about that time, he can't draw the conclusion yet, he's bitten by a poisonous snake. And it's like, God, is this ever going to stop? This is so ridiculous. Is this ever going to stop? And it's not over yet. He spends the entire winter there before he continues on to Rome. And then in Rome, he spends another two years in prison. You thought you had it bad. Do you know that most of the people that go to prison are repeat offenders anyway? If you've ever gone to prison and, and sat and talked with people that are there, you would find out that a great deal of them have already been in prison. In fact, they've almost grown accustomed to the prison life. We've kind of grown accustomed to the issues that we're dealing with in our lives and kind of resigned to, um, well, I guess this is the way it's going to be. It's not going to change. And then lastly, for a two-year period in Rome, he's actually chained to a guard, to a couple guards, actually, 24 hours a day. He can't break loose of the chains. He has this thing holding him back and holding him down. Some people in the room literally have something that is always pulling you down and making you feel defeated. What's Paul's secret? How does he stay so positive in prison and triumph over troubles and find delight in difficulties, stay happy, positive, joyful, in spite of the fact that everything is not turned out the way that he planned it, that's for sure. So this week alone, in one week's time, Dirk lost his grandfather, who is 93 years old, and Jason Port and the Port family lost Jason's dad and a grandpa to the kids. And no matter how you look at it, the older I get, the more I realize someday it'll be me. And I said that to my wife last night as I walked in the front room after studying, and they were watching Cinderella, the movie. You ever seen that movie, Cinderella? How many have? You guys are really super quiet today. Do I need to do something strange? Okay. You know I'm good at that. Very good at that. So, so the Cinderella, the movie actually has a, like a really powerful message to send. Not everybody gets to be a Cinderella. Not everybody's a jock, and not everybody's a cheerleader, and not everybody is successful in business, and not everybody has a nice house and two cars, and blah, 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 blah. That's not the way it is. Cinderella had a lot of bad circumstances that transpired in her life, and not of her own will, but just because of the way life is, she ended up to be the one that always got kicked around and felt alone. There are people in the room, you feel 100% alone. Or you have something that is like, has a grip on you every single day, every minute of every single day, and you did nothing to deserve this. It just happened. So happiness built on happenstance built on circumstances that were not anything to do with you, but they certainly have affected you. I think there are four essentials that you have to remember today. So I'm going um, to need the help. So this section over here, you're section number one, and you stand for the frums. 
not the frumps, even though some of you look like it, not the grumps, not the frumps, you're the frums, from, okay? Say from. Okay. How about with a little bit of excitement? Frump. Okay, you're the frums. Oh, by the way, Megan and Chris Niles had a whopping baby boy, Chris Jr. Okay, we, we call him Niles. He's actually really cute. She was like in labor forever. And you know what? He's so ridiculously cute. We've just been having an onslaught of babies. The only way to fill in these empty chairs is babies. So get busy, everybody, even if you're over 70. Anything's possible, right? Okay, those guys over there are the Frums. Be Say it again. Okay, you're the Frums. Because I need, in order to have joy in my life, I actually ha I need to have a perspective to live from. Yeah, I need to have the correct perspective to look from. You find it, actually, in Philippians 1.12. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Yeah, Philippians, he's, he's talking to the people at Philippi and telling them, I want you to know, because I'm sure the people were saying this, there's got to be something wrong with Paul. He must be living in sin because he went to prison. Or he, God must be judging him because he was bitten by a snake and almost died. Or God must not want to bless him because he was shipwrecked and left on an island. There must be something wrong with Paul. And God says, no, I'm going to show you what is right about Paul. He actually has the right perspective about life. That everything that happens in life is done by the sovereign plan of God. You agree with that or not? Every single thing. You say, no, 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 God wouldn't do that. God doesn't shipwreck you. Because we're always praying, oh, God, make this ship get, you ever been on a cruise? The f Somebody gifted us with a cruise many years ago. It's a long story, but the short of it is this. So we've never been on a cruise before. I don't know what to think. And they always do this drill. You, you get, everybody has to go outside on the deck surrounding the main, I don't know, promenade or whatever. And you have to practice putting on the life jacket and they had to show you what to do and get, how to get in the lifeboat and all this other stuff. And so, okay, this works. That night was our first night on the cruise. We we're in our room and in the middle of the night, the boat was rocking like crazy. And I'm like, honey, I think we're going down. She said, that's ridiculous. Go back to sleep. And I said, no. An orange fell out of the bowl on the table. And it's rolling from one side of the room back and forth to the other side. Get your life jacket on. <laughs> I was ready. I actually got up and put my life jacket on. Didn't I, honey? And she's looking at me like, oh, God. And why did I marry him? <laughs> Seriously. You, the 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 things that your mind jumps to immediately. I have had hundreds of flights to places around the world, and I'm always positive that it's my plane that's going to go down. You know, what? It's true. And if you sit near my wife, you'll get saved. And if you sit 
by me, you're going down. You got, you, seriously, you're go, that, that plane is going down, I'm positive. I have even called the stewardess over and said, have you ever been on a flight this rocky before? She goes, sir, it's going to be fine. You know? He says, not that I um, want you to know, brothers and sisters, what has happened to me. Because Actually, there's so much that has happened to me in my life that it would be hard to tell everybody. So you have to have, you know, this story to come from. You have to decide if these chains that seem to be holding you back. I thought it was Stephen Furtick who was original with this thing. And next week, we're giving all of you a little rubber bracelet, so you'll have it as a reminder through the fall months here. W-D-I-M. Instead of, what would Jesus do? It's, what does it matter? That's my sermon series. Now, what does it actually matter in the big picture and the big scope of things? What does it matter. And it's actually found in the text this morning. It wasn't original with Stephen Furtick. In fact, I went back and looked at messages from many years ago and another preacher had preached the very same thing. What does it matter? Because almost everything in life has been experienced by someone else. They can relate to that. Why does Paul share all this stuff? Because you could relate to it. He was in prison chained. Are you guys with me? These guys have no choice but to behave because they're sitting right in front of me. He's in prison for a couple of years, chained in four-hour shifts. And so theologians believe that he actually, by the time he was done in those two years, had been chained to 4,380 guards. It is a lot like my wife in the plane and the person in the seat next to her. They may want to go to sleep, but until they get saved... They're not sleeping. She'll say, I spent the whole 12 hours talking to that person. I'm like, oh, God. Jeez. They had no choice. They had to get saved because they wanted to sleep. Or maybe watch a movie or something. She's relentless. I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. You got to choose what you're going to do with your chains. You have to decide, what am I going to do with what you have sent my way, God? Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Who are you? From what? You have, you've all come with a different story from somewhere. We wouldn't have to go very far, would we? They have a story, don't they? Zach and Ina have a story. It's actually so deep that it would be hard to tell it all. He, Dan, has a story. His father has a story. Everybody over here has a story, and you don't even know what that story is. Paul has a story, don't you, Paul? You as a couple have a story, don't you? Your kids have stories, don't they? You don't even know on a given service, I'm telling you this, you have no idea what story or what page these people are coming from. I relate to Paul because he has a son who is handicapped. Yes, I relate to them. When I see them, I think, we have the same thing in our home. Any parent can understand this. When your kid has anything that they struggle with or suffer with, it affects you, doesn't it? Your story is where you come from. There are so many stories. 
Dirk Laws is grandpa of 93 years, and he was a godly man. And I said this, I texted this to Dirk last night. That legacy is passed to Dirk. I could see, I, I don't even know his grandpa. I could see his grandpa and Dirk. You have a story, your narrative that you're coming from. God wants to use it, doesn't he? There's a chain reaction that takes place. These things just chain us. They chain us. They chain us, and they chain us. You have to decide, what am I going to do with the, with the chains? You can let your chains break your praise, or you can let your praise break your chains. Praise has an uncanny way of breaking the chains of bondage in our lives, does it not? God, when you start praising God and you start letting the enemy know by, by even the words that come out of your mouth, things happen because God's a great chain breaker, isn't he? He's a great chain breaker. He says, let it go. Let me use it. Man, if I were Paul, I would have just said, I'm done. I'm finished. I'm out of here. But he actually had a captive audience. He had a captive audience, and so they had to listen to him because they were chained to him. He couldn't saw the, he couldn't literally have seen the chains as something that was binding, or something that was freeing, because it freed the people that he was guarded to. I'll say this to people in the room: You are coming through something individually right now, or going through something in the middle of something that you cannot see the end to, and you're trying to figure out, God, please, God. Enlighten me. Please enlighten me, God, what this is. I can't even handle everything that I hear in a week. To lose somebody you love is unbearable. Am I right? But you don't always have any choice in the matter. It is so sad to see little children ill when they have cancer or anything else. When I see those kids on TV with St. Jude's, I, I just think to myself, oh, God, would it be terrible to find out your child had cancer? Wouldn't it be terrible to lose your child or to lose your spouse? All of us are coming from something. You have to decide, what are these chains meant to do? And he says... In verse 14, and because of my chains, uh, verse 13 first, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. This has happened to me because I'm in chains because of Christ. You never know what the outcome of things is going to be. So in order to go to Africa, there are six of us guys going to Watoto, which is in Kampala, Africa, which is the capital. And I would encourage other guys to go, and ladies both, to go on mission trips, it changes you. But in order to go to, to Africa, we have to have a shot. We have to have the yellow fever shot. I've never had it. I've had a lot of other different shots. But when I was sitting in the waiting room waiting to find out, you know, when am I going to get my shot, and I hate shots. I never look at the needle. Those are deadly. I could never be a nurse or a doctor. I'd be on the floor. And so I, she just said, how do you do with shots? And I said, I don't look. You know, and they're always trying to distract you while they're getting ready with a 10-inch long needle to run through your arm. Oh, my gosh, Jesus, take the wheel, you know. And so I have to re. You have, we had to pay $75 
just to have her give us instruction on the shot and on Africa. And so we're sitting there. She was actually really, really super nice, but she's going through all this stuff. She's saying, I want you to know this is an experimental thing. We don't have enough serum in the world to cover everybody that needs a yellow fever shot. So you're a part, you're a guinea pig in other words. You six guys are guinea pigs. We're testing it on 500 people. We sent most of our serum to Africa to help those people and we had to buy our serum from France and that's why the shot costs $225. Well, I'm, I'm, long story short is this. This week, I, I noticed that I started to feel really funny. I felt depressed, feverish, diarrhea, couldn't sleep at night. And I really didn't put it all together until last night late when I was texting Ray, my friend, goes to church, and he got the shot. And I was texting him. He said, how have you felt? Because I've been sick all week. And I said, oh, I wasn't going to say anything because I'm a man. <laughs> and I wasn't going to. I didn't even notice. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? You know, how, you know how it is sometimes? You don't want to tell anybody anything unless they think, what a wuss. I've had that my whole life. And so he said, how have you felt this week? He said, I've had diarrhea, I've, you know, really bit. And I, well, wait a second. She told us that it would come out of the shot. Not everybody would have the same, same um, what are they? Same reaction, same Thank you, Jesus, for so many people. <laughs> that made me feel stupid. <laughs> You're in a good mood today. Yes, yes, yes. You're what? Nancy Reed, is, she is sharp. She, oh, she's a joyful, sharp cookie. She was standing up worshiping before anybody else. We need more old people standing up and praising God, like me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I realize this is the byproduct of the shot that I got, and I'm thinking to myself, hey, wait, wait, stay, stay, I'm going to make a point here. You don't even know what things are affecting you and how they are affecting you. Yes, you aren't, you're, you're trying to figure out why am I experiencing this thing? And Paul actually goes on to say, because I was supposed to be in chains so that I could witness to all of those guards that were next to me. Now I see the big picture. He goes on to verse 14 and says, and because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord. And can you put that back? You switched it too soon because I was reading it off the wall. Thank you. Confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel of Christ. Who's looking at you and watching how you respond to those chains? Lots of people. Courage, ladies and gentlemen, is contagious. It spreads like wildfire. Other believers become bold when they see boldness in you. They become encouraging when they see encouragement in you. There's a perspective you need to live from if you're going to have joy in your life. Romans 8 says, 
And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I am saying this this morning, maybe for only one person, but there's someone in the room that has been struggling big time with why this is happening. What are you trying to do, God? I, I can't put the whole thing together. I need to understand, God, why is this happening? There's a second thing you need to see. By the way, God has a purpose behind every one of my problems. There's not just a perspective to live from. You guys are the buy. That's a bad word these days. Buy everything. You're buy. Got it? Okay. Not ba. Buy. Ba, he said. <laughs> not ba. Buy. You guys are. Okay, the reason I'm having you do this is for me. I'm old. I, no, it's not dementia. Some of you want to think it is, but it's not. Honest, it's not yet. Sometimes. <laughs> oh, my. Wow. Okay, so from and by. I need in my life to have a priority to live by. Something that overshadows everything that is happening in my life. I need to have a priority to live by. Not just a perspective to live from, but a priority to live by when things get tough. I can be living my life either based on problems or priorities. He says this in verses 15 and 16. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Change slide. Okay, there we go. <laughs> You're not up there, so you don't know. We thank God for the people in the sound booth, right? Yes. And Paul was saying, oh, my gosh, now I lost it. I better just read. Paul was saying, not only am I in prison, but if you want to kick a man while he's down, there are guys out there attacking my ministry. They're jealous, envious, rivaling me. Other ministries are criticizing me while I'm in prison. Ha! That's what I think about the church today. I think the enemy is in the church. Yes, the enemy is inside of the body. The enemy's from within. Because the people that criticize that aren't Christians, you can handle that. But it's very difficult to take it when people in the body are the ones criticizing. Yeah, Paul talked about it, Philippians 1.18, but what, God, what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether by false motives or true, Christ has preached, and because of this I rejoice. Everybody's constantly judging everybody's motives nowadays. Well, he's just a fake. He's just a phony. Well, she sinned. She's just, she's just a low life. Or that you, you knew that marriage wasn't going to work because blah, 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 blah. And God is saying, you're not winning anyone that way. Everybody in this room this morning has come into the room from something. Spirit of God is working right this second. I promise you, the Spirit of God is working. Because somebody is very discouraged. And that somebody quite often ends up being me and you. And someone has come in and thinks there's no way out 
of the situation or the scenario that you find yourself in. And you've got to keep it all in perspective. Instead of judging one another, we should say, how can I pray for you? How can I, how can I encourage you? Let me hold up your arms if you're weary. Let me bring you a meal. Let me love on you. We can't have peace without God's priorities. We can't. It's not even possible. Proverbs 3, 6 says, In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. The key to overcoming is to submit. Remember last week I told you there were three things that indicate the path of the apostate, the person who's walked away from God completely. Three things. Number one, immorality. What was number two? Insubordination. Number three, irreverence. That is the path, always. Immorality enters, and it knocks out all respect. And it makes you mad about everything and insubordinate to everyone and everything. And it just knocks all that out and makes you think you need to run to continue the dysfunction in your life. This is what I say. Stay. Stay a while. Instead of running away from this church, I promise you that if you stay here and if you are open, you will grow. Is that correct or not? What about this side? You will grow. I'm sick of the, the big fad, let's have a huge church, let's put on a big show deal. There are way too many hurting people. My friends, some of my friends sitting in this room this day are barely making it. And the Spirit keeps saying that to me because I'll, I'll look around and I'll see somebody who looks like they're going to cry. You don't have a clue. You don't have a clue what they're going through. No clue. They're about ready to hang it up and walk away from everything. I want to just say this. The Holy Spirit would say to you this morning, He, God, is not interested in your sin, so stop blaming yourself. He's not interested in pointing out your sin and excommunicating you from the body or making you feel like garbage. He is interested in lifting you up. He is interested in pulling you from your circumstances to have real joy that is not based on happenstance because nothing just happens with God. Nothing. Not a single thing. Not a single, single thing. Joy and sorrow can happen in the same day. We can lose a loved one and the very same time Chris and Megan are sitting up there with little Hezekiah, Zeke. I will guarantee you something. If you have any grandkids, it's ridiculous. Am I right, Shnatalas? Is Jane in here? Shnatalas, no. Are you not crazy about that baby already, little Chris? I've never seen Chris talk that much. He was so excited when we were up there. I'm just thinking, this is really strange. He says, I was really hoping for a girl. We got a boy. And it seems like the people that are hoping for a boy get a girl because God says, oh, you don't get what you want. I'm gonna, you don't get what you want. I'm going to give you what I think you need. I think Chris was just afraid there's going to be a little Chris. Don't you think that scares you sometimes? Have you ever prayed the prayer, God, please don't let my children turn into me? 
And seriously, have you ever prayed that prayer? Have you ever prayed the prayer, God, spare them from all my idiosyncrasies? Woo, Jesus, help Jed Hall's kids to turn out normal. <laughs> I just looked at you at the right moment, buddy. <laughs> you, you do pray that sometimes, don't you, Jed? Oh, my gosh, seriously. You, you don't want it to pass to your kids and then down to your grandkids. It's scary. It is. I need number three, a power to live on. You guys are the on. Say on. on. Oh, gosh. Vince and his family is in that role. <laughs> right? And Vince is like, on. Again. On. And then there's people in there. Not kidding. I need a power. I need something to keep me going. There's an incredible story in a Tim Hansel's book. It's a true account of an 82-year-old man who served as a pastor for over 50 of those years. In his latter years, he struggled with skin cancer. It was so bad that he already had 15 skin operations and Tim writes this in the book and besides suffering from the pain he was so embarrassed about how the cancer had scarred his appearance that he wouldn't go out and then one day he was given the book you got to keep dancing in which I tell of my long struggle with the chronic intense pain from a near fatal climbing accident in that book I told a story of one day when I realized that the pain would be with me forever and at that very moment I made a pivotal decision I knew that it was up to me to choose how I responded it, and I chose joy. After reading a while, the elderly pastor said he put the book down thinking, he's crazy, I can't choose joy. So he gave up the idea, then later he read John 15, 11, that joy is a gift. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. A gift, he thought. He didn't know what to do, so he got down on his knees, and then he didn't know what to say and so he said, well then, Lord, give it to me. And suddenly, as he described it, this incredible hunk of joy came from heaven and landed on him. I was so overwhelmed, he wrote. It was like the joy talked about in 1 Peter 1.8, an inexpressible and glorious joy. I didn't know what to say, so I said, turn it on, Lord. And he turned it on. And before he knew it, he was dancing around the house. He felt so joyful that he actually felt born again again. He just had to get out. So much joy that couldn't stay cooped up. So he went out to the local fast food restaurant and got a burger. A lady saw how happy he was, and she asked, how are you doing? And he said, I'm so wonderful. You ever met people like this? How are you doing? And they're just, they, they, what? Just me. She said, well, is it your birthday? He said, no. No, honey, he said, it's better than that. And then she said, is it your anniversary? And he said, it's better than that. And then she said, well, what is it? It's the joy of Jesus. Ah, do you ever get like that? Yes. yes. And people, when, when you say yes, like he just said, they go, Just, he's, 
He's very odd. Who gives a rip? Isn't everybody kind of odd? If the truth be told, everybody in here is weed. What are you guys? You're weed, I said. I meant weird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're on weed, I think, but... We came, yeah, we, came, we came to church yesterday for praise band practice in the morning. There was a really, really super strange smell in here. And Nick, who else were you saying that to? Both Ryan, Nick Skippers, and Ryan Pritchard, big potheads. Oh, no, excuse me. No. Both of them said it sure smells like weed in here. And then I said to my wife when we got home, I wonder if. Somebody slipped in during the night and just smoked weed in here all night. It's possible. Don't you feel high this morning? Don't you? No, seriously, if you're visiting, it's always like this. So, so sometimes you get high on Jesus. Right about now, that's when the feeling hits you. Yes. It does. It's like, God, I can make it, right? The Holy Spirit says to you, you can more than make it because you're more than a conqueror through Jesus. You, yeah, Steve, Steve Wilson over here, my friend Steve, has had this thing in his body, right, that his leg just goes so weak he feels like he's going to fall. And I've been praying for you, man. I've been praying big time. We, we anointed him with oil on Monday night and prayed over him. And I'm saying this for your benefit. It's not over. Yes. Speak what you desire into the air. And tell the devil to take a hike. Get out. You don't get my legs. So much of the stuff that we go through could be released and turned into joy. What are you guys again? On the button all the time. We need a perspective to live from a priority to live by, and you took it off the screen just as I was going to pretend I had this all memorized. <laughs> we, have a, we have a new girl up there today, a new girl on the block. All right, is that your first time, Kels? She's up there. You know how that goes? Looks like Lexi when she got her first car behind the steering wheel. She was so excited to get it. And I'm like, Jesus, help us. Take the wheel. She's a baby. She should not be driving a car. You know what happens when I look at all these kids up here that were in the internship? I think God is amazing that a dozen kids wanted to sacrifice their summer three days a week and be around here. And we're going to miss them because these babies, they may look young to you, but they grow up in just a swift, rapid manner. And the next thing you know, they're gone. My Josiah is going into senior high. Granville starts school tomorrow. He's going into senior high, and I'm like, this isn't possible, God. Life is such a vapor. I, I want to say this to every parent in the room. If you have babies, they pretty much learn everything they know by the time they're in kindergarten. My wife taught kindergarten for 17 years. Everything they need to know, they've learned before kindergarten. Stay married. Stay clean. Stay in church. Get 
them involved in spiritual things if you care at all. You say, well, you're supposed to say that you're the pastor. No, I'm saying it because I have a perspective that I'm coming from that tells me great danger is ahead if they don't stay with God. Okay, some friend of ours opened an Italian ice place in Holland. We've known her for years. She used to go to my previous church. We know our family very well. Haven't seen them. They did not come with us when we started our church. We're on a different page. But they opened this place in Holland. It's really cool. It's this Italian ice, and they, they sell custard too. But they had a soft opening on Friday night and invited their friends and us to come. And the thing that I noticed more than anything, because our church is now six years old, and six years ago we parted ways with a lot of people whose perspective about me was different than reality, and I had to give them up. They left me. I didn't leave my friends. They left me. These people are in that situation, but they invited us to come. And not just was the Italian ice great, but the, the soft yogurt. But this lady's husband died. This lady's husband died tragically. She actually, he actually had gone to Ruth's Chris to have steak. So if you go there, you must decide ahead of time. Is this worth what may follow? Red meat. Anyway, long story short. He died about 7 o'clock at night. She slept in that body with him the whole, in, in that bed with his body the whole night, not even knowing he was gone. Found him the next day. In his passing, it left a lot of unfinished ends. But the lady who's a friend of ours was so loving to us, and so were her daughters. But both of her daughters have now had children out of wedlock because she did as a mom. I want to say this to every parent. You think it is not important that you are involved in a local gospel preaching church that helps you and assists you in raising your kids? You're wrong. I guarantee you we'll catch up with you. And it's, life is a vapor. It's a vapor. It's a vapor. Your baby will be gone just like that. Stay close to God. And so what happened was it was just weird. We're standing there talking with them. And, and my wife was holding one of the babies. And all of a sudden, this, the, her second daughter um, says she has a baby and, and it's being brought over because it's not her husband. It's the guy she had the baby with that's coming. Long story short, we know them. They were in our past. The grandma on that side is married to a drug addict. And he hasn't changed much. And we saw them was like a state of shock almost. Oh, my gosh. You might not be following what I'm saying, but I want to say this. Keeping your kids in a place where they're encouraged to be close to God is absolutely essential. It's essential. If you're going to have any kind of guidance in where to go with your family and with your kids, it is very, very important. And one last thing this morning. Oh. There was two things that gave Paul the strength. It was the prayers of other people and the help of God's spirit. If you think that prayers from other people aren't important, I, I, don't, I don't even have to look beyond the first row. But I just see you guys, I'm so glad you're here. And I think what you went through this past year even and all that with the military, and I just said, you don't even realize I've been praying for you the whole time. I've been praying for you guys the whole time. Not because there's something wrong with you, because there's something right with you. And God wants to draw that out. He wants to draw out the best in each of us. 
He wants us to have this perspective to live from, yes, but he wants us to be able to apply that because you got to have hope if you're going to cope. You got to have hope. There's got to be hope out there if you're going to be able to cope. You got to decide what am I going to do with these chains because man can handle tremendous stress and pressure as long as he has hope. Paul was hope, living hope. Philippians 4:3 I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. With God's power, nothing can devastate me. One last thing and we have to stop. I need purpose to live for. You guys are the four. I'm not playing. No, let's, let's pre let, guys, guys, let's pretend we're playing golf. Because most of you would be shouting it quite often. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like, I go on the church golf outing because I used to really love golf. I go on the church golf outing. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Who's going first? Me, the pastor. What do I do? I slice it way off into the woods. Is this my luck? What are you guys again? Hmm. So, there's got to be something to live for. There's got to be a purpose to live for. You know why I want to live? I want to live because I love my wife so much and my Josiah who is still at home so much. And besides my love for God, because it, I could want to die and go to heaven, but I want to live because I have love. Because I am loved. I want to say this. To the ports who Jason lost his dad, to Dirk who, who lost his grandpa, to, to the grandpa of those kids, it's hard to let go, isn't it? It's hard to take the whole grieving thing. It is so hard. I looked up online, asked the question, how many people die without ever having found their purpose in life? And one of the answers that came up with, what came there was 100% of people die without having found answers to life. It's because you decide what's going to happen with your life. Yeah, God gave you the choice. You could decide how you're going to act when you walk out of here. You could decide whether you want to stay married or get divorced. You could decide whether your spouse will turn around or not. You could decide, you could decide anything you want. You can decide by your attitude about what is happening to you. You will decide which way you'll go. You have to decide what you're living for. Paul said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. For me to live is not possessions. For me to live is not pleasure. For me it's not power, position, prestige. Paul had a long-term goal. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and striving toward what is on, I press toward the high goal to win the prize. I gotta stop. You have a choice this morning. How am I going to respond to what has come into my life? And I must always ask the question, what does it matter? My experience has told me this. If a girl has children out of wedlock, she should not want to pass that down to her children. My experience tells me this. 44 years of experience tells me if you don't 
stop the generational stuff. And you went through divorce, your kids will go through divorce. Your kids will give up. God wants you to start fresh and say, there's a new, fresh start right now, right this moment. I'm putting a stake in the ground. It's starting fresh right now. Because I'm going to have a different attitude. Close your eyes. Praise band's coming. We're going to sing one song on the way out. You may have come into the room this morning, and you don't even have a hope of going to heaven when you die. You're not certain about it, but God brought you here today. You didn't come on your own. God brought you here. Pastor, I don't even know if I would go to heaven when I die. To be honest with you, I do not know. I'm not positive. Raise your hand. Anyone in the room? I do not know that I would go to heaven if I died. Last week, three men accepted Christ. I do not know if I'd go to heaven when I die. Anyone in the room? It's your opportunity to know. Anyone in the room that says, I need to put a stake in the ground today. Fresh start. Today. I need to choose joy today. I'm on that path. I'm starting fresh right now. Raise your hand. Starting fresh right I don't care if you've done it 5,000 times. Do it again. Do it again. Starting fresh right this minute. Yes. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you give, give us the power to be overcomers. Through the word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb, we pray in Jesus' name.